This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, slash register. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. It's Monday, May 3rd. Tesla and the company's vocal CEO have been making headlines a lot lately. From earnings, investments in Bitcoin, and record sales, to delays in construction of its manufacturing facility in Germany, and controversies surrounding its vehicle technologies in both the U.S. and China. All of it has continued to put the world's largest manufacturer of electric passenger vehicles in the spotlight. Last week, the company made news in a different way. It was announced that CEO Elon Musk would host Saturday Night Live this coming Saturday. Reaction has been mixed. But frankly, what else would you expect? The company and its leader have received and many times welcomed controversy as they have gone about changing the way consumers and even other automakers think about electrification, autonomy, and in some respects, how to run a car company. Last summer, CEO Elon Musk sat down with automotive news publisher Jason Stein for a three-part interview on Daily Drive. The two caught up on what Musk had forecasted for the company five years earlier on the stage of the Automotive News World Congress. They talked about manufacturing challenges, the company's streak of quarterly profits, and soaring market value. All of it as a hurricane swirled around Brownsville, Texas. As a lot of people in the industry and in show business look ahead to May 8th and Musk's opening monologue on Saturday Night Live, our team at Automotive News thought we would take this moment to host a Daily Drive Rewind, re-airing the three-part Daily Drive interview with the CEO, part one today and parts two and three on Tuesday and Wednesday. As you listen, keep your ears peeled for Musk's unmistakable laugh. I'm sure we'll hear more of that this Saturday. And now, part one of the Daily Drive discussion between Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Automotive News publisher Jason Stein. Elon Musk, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, it's good to speak with you, Jason. So I know you're in the center of, of a hurricane at this moment, or at least a tropical storm. Tell me a little bit about, uh, I know you're not a weatherman, but uh, what is life like down in Brownsville, Texas? Well, I think this was a relatively light hurricane as, as they go. I think this was maybe a Cat 1 or something like that. So um, a, lot of, a lot of water and uh, a few things got blown over, but overall it was... No big deal. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fine. There's no problem. Um, we, we just had some drinks and 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 kind of watched the wind blow all night. Uh, it was a, actually it was an epic scene. It looked great. <laughs> You've had a big week. Um, you had your first ever streak of four consecutive quarterly profits. You have announced. Uh... Really? <laughs> Took us a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were, there were certainly a lot of people who said that would never happen. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they had some, some chance of being right. Um, but the, the, the Tesla team worked incredibly hard. Um, it's such an honor to work with such great people. And as a consequence of, of their great efforts, uh, we, we were able to achieve four consecutive quarters of profit. It, not a lot of profit, just to, you know, some people don't think like we're minting money here. Um, but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, one one percent, one and a half percent. Q one was like I think point one percent. So it was just like by the skin of our teeth, really. But um, but 
you know, just thanks very much to the hard work and, and innovation of the Tesla team. Some people are now lauding you as being a legitimate player on the global scene, thanks what? to... <laughs> Finally, yes. I'm legit. <laughs> um, it's, it sure has taken a while. I mean, we've had, you know, some conversations over the years. And what, what was it like five years last time we had a conversation? Or, yeah. or like an on? Five and a half. Wow. Okay. So Things were different then. So you, yeah, very different. I mean, so you, you've, you've obviously seen the... The, the whole uh, trajectory of Tesla from basically from nothing where we started off with just five people and uh, to where we are now and we're about 60,000 people. Um, so yeah, from, from five people um, in early 2014 to 60,000 plus people in 2020 and we'll probably be 65 or so by the end of the year because we're, we're hiring a lot of people. When when they talk about you being one of the industry's strongest brands, and you and you reflect on on the last few years, you must take some sense of satisfaction in the fact that now you're being lauded for the things that we talked about five and a half years ago. Uh, yeah, actually, I, 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 I wonder, what, you know, because you, you, obviously you've got that that I assume that that recording and or at least notes. Um, sure. You know, I mean, it, it, I, I sort of wonder did, did, the, did the things that I that I say would happen, did they happen? Uh, or, I mean, are we missing, I guess we still need to get full self-driving, of course. Um, but, um, you know, I'm just curious, what's my report, what's my report card <laughs> or the Tesla report card uh, for said we would do it and versus did it? I, I think it's fair to say that many things that you said that you were going to do, you've done. Uh, you're, oh, you. cool. you're now producing vehicles on a regular basis and let's just go back the last two years where you you said you were mired in production hell and now you're saying just even this past week that you think that the long-term sustainable advantage of tesla is going to be manufacturing so what changed yes oh no i mean actually well i i, I think the well i, I think if, well um the reason i say the long-term sustainable advantage of tesla will be manufacturing is that um I think it's actually the hardest thing to do manufacturing at scale effectively. Uh, and, and, and if, if, if you say, it really depends on what time frame, like if you go a certain number of years into the future, like, I don't know, if you go like 10 years into the future, probably all cars will, almost all cars will be fully autonomous. Uh, although sometimes I, I think the industry is going to move faster than it does. But that, that's just new cars. You know, there's there's two billion cars and trucks on the road in the fleet, and there's 100 million made per year, roughly. So, um, so this is something I often have to remind people of is, um, you know, even if all cars tomorrow were electric and autonomous, it would take 20 years to replace the fleet. Um, so, you'll have this strange situation, kind of like when they had horses and automobiles kind of going down Main Street at the same time for you know a few decades. Um, probably several decades. But you'll have that with electric autonomous and uh, fossil fuel uh, non-autonomous vehicles. Um, yeah. So, um, so, so essentially, if you if, if you assume like okay, uh, other companies will eventually figure out autonomy, or somebody will provide them with that solution, um, then then they, they will also have autonomy. We'll have autonomy. 
that we, we will need just need to be better at manufacturing than them. And when it comes to manufacturing, you obviously feel that you've you've learned a lot in this journey, and now you're going to be in a position where you have multiple plants, as you said, over the next twelve to eighteen months, uh, running and and at at high efficiency and just frankly getting better. Yes. What was the biggest thing that changed? Sorry, with respect to uh, improving manufacturing or or my mind, my how, how I thought about manufacturing. Maybe sure. maybe improving manufacturing. Um. Well, I take I tend to take a first principles view of things, like physics first principles view, and say like in a limit, what how how good could manufacturing be uh, if you had if you fully really optimize the velocity and density of the factory such that, you know, every useful cubic meter, every cubic meter was doing something useful, um, was maximally useful and the speed at which things move through the, the volume of the factory was maximized. You know, that's like, you can think of like a factory, like a CPU or like a microchip or something like that. And you, you know, you bring the circuits closer together, you increase the, increase the clock speed, um, and then you can calculate some theoretical limits for the output of a, you know, a given silicon fabrication uh, technology. I think the same is true of factories. Um, and so, so if you actually look at the volumetric efficiency and the velocity of, of automotive factories, their volumetric efficiency is extremely low. I would say in the low single-digit percentage, uh, you know, a couple percent maybe of volumetric efficiency. Um, the speed is... Uh, very slow, much slower than walking speed. Um, it, like the like a very fast automotive factory would be exiting a car roughly every twenty five seconds. If, uh, if the car length is five meters, that's only a speed of 0.2 meters per second. Um, that is that is one fifth of walking speed. So the fastest car factories in the world are only um, producing a car at one fifth walking speed. This is not very fast. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite slow to. Poor volumetric efficiency combined with low velocity. Uh, so you, you got to figure out how to increase the volumetric efficiency uh, and increase the velocity. And then just like a microchip, you will have vastly greater output. So basically what I'm saying is I think um, it is possible to improve automotive manufacturing efficiency by at least uh, 1,000% and possibly 10,000%. That would be an incredible number. Yeah, it's more cars you need. Why do you think Tesla has captured the public's interest and had market success that maybe some of the legacy OEMs haven't managed to do despite having more established brands? You know, I think it's just that our approach is we make products that we love, you know, all the way down to like little details. Like, we, you know, we've got like these fun video games on the car um, and Easter eggs and... Um, Obviously, we've got autonomy. You know, I think we're leaders in, in autonomy, at least you know, driver assistance autonomy right now. Um, you know, we're pretty good with like the phone app, um, and we make the buying experience very easy. You can buy a Tesla in uh, just two minutes by going to our website. You can literally order a Tesla in two minutes, maybe one minute if you're really fast, and and you're done. Um, and the the car will just be, you know, like delivered to you if you want. Um, and it's, it's just painless and super easy. And then if you don't like the car, you can just give it back. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more.
Consumers today are pushing for remote and virtual experiences. What you may think is a simple fix by going fully online quickly results in an even bigger problem, loss of control and shrinking profit margins. The question isn't if you go online, it's how. How is it done in a way that you don't sacrifice the success of your overall dealership? The answer? Tune in starting May 17th for a virtual summit hosted by Reynolds & Reynolds. You will gain educational insight into all things digital retail, challenges to the status quo, how to retail anywhere without sacrificing anything, and the true impact on dealerships just like yours through one-on-one -on -one dealer conversations. This event is on us and on demand. Grab a seat while they last. We hope to see you there. To register for the virtual summit and learn more about retail anywhere, visit reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash register. That digital first retail model, now that's, that's all dealers are talking about given COVID-19. Does it, has it kind of proven itself in the post-COVID world, that, that digital first retail model? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw still strong orders through the whole pandemic. You know, it's, we still had good, a good order volume. Um, yeah, because I guess people are less inclined to want to go to a dealership and do test drives and kind of hang out in the lobby and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so many dealers are changing to that model. Yeah. It's, it seems to be what people want, or, or at least a lot of people want. Do you feel you were a little ahead of the game there? Sure. Uh, that's always, in front of the beginning, that was like, um, you know, fundamental, like this, we, we, we're going to, if, um, I, I, I wouldn't do Tesla if it was not for direct sales. And you, you had told me five and a half years ago that you were even considering adding dealers at some point, but maybe that's something that, you, you, if, if that's like increasingly, um, like ha having a a traditional dealer situation, I think seems increasingly um, unnecessary. Yeah, and I think probably the pandemic just reinforced that. Um, we really didn't see big changes to our sales as a function of like where where we had stores. So in that in, in that way, there's just validation there in in many ways, correct? Um, yeah, yeah it's, it seems, it seems like the future is, is really headed towards, uh, online ordering. Um, and then you could, you could always, you know, go t take a test drive, but a lot of people, the way they get a test drive is from a friend of theirs who has a car. So they're driving their friend's car. It's like, Hey, this car's great. Um, and then they just go and order it online while they're still in their friend's car, literally, <laughs> Let's talk about your stock price. You said recently that um, it was it was priced too high, and that was just in May when it was around seven hundred dollars. Now you're double that. What do you think is going on? I, I'm not sure. It, it is so it's difficult to understand the mindset of the stock market. You know, a little over a year ago, uh, we were at what 180 bucks or something. Yep. Um, and then I think we went up to 
1800 bucks. I mean, it was like something like a factor of 10 difference. Um, so, and that's just in a year. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what a difference a year makes. No kidding. Do you think you have to manage investors' expectations or just let the market do its own thing? Uh, I don't think we try to manage investor expectations. It's just like we're just going to – I think what really matters is are we making great cars and ensuring that customers are happy? And if so, uh, you know, life would be good. And the you know stock market will figure itself out over time. It's not, it's not worth trying to massage the stock market or, you know, you know, just manage investor expectations. And that. it's just, you, you know, at the end of the day, if you, if you make great cars and you're, um, the company's healthy and making great products, investors will be happy. Yeah, indeed. If you, don't, if you make lousy products, your customers will be unhappy and then your investors will be unhappy. <laughs> so just, just, it's just in general, my advice you know, to corporate America or companies worldwide is spend less time on marketing presentations and more time on your product. Honestly, that should be the number one thing toward in business schools. Uh, put down that spreadsheet and that PowerPoint presentation and go and make your product better. Simple advice. Yeah. When, when you and I talked in Detroit in 2015, we talked about Detroit embracing EVs. How encouraged are you by that level of embracement by other automakers and not just Detroit from BMW to Mercedes to general motors. I've been surprised at the, 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 the slow pace of change. I, yeah, I, but I'm glad that the change is occurring. So it, you know, it's clearly, I think we have reached some sort of inflection point in automotive where yeah, I think almost every car company well, at least most of the car companies ha- have made it clear that they're going to make uh, a lot of EVs. And a lot, and some of them have said that they, they see the future as being only EV. Um, I think there's still a few that are, you know, on the fence about the hydrogen fuel cell, you know, BS. But, you know, they'll, they'll get off that fence uh, the market, or the market will te- teach them a lesson. So, yeah. There are hundreds of EV models now headed to the U.S. in the coming years, but with the exception of Tesla, there's actually little sign of any real demand. How do you view that? Um, well, how many? I mean, are there, are there a bunch of electric cars that are being made that that they can't sell, or they're just not making a lot of electric cars? I think there are electric cars that are not selling. And the public's been. I mean, are, are, are they like piling up in the dealer lots and stuff? Or, or, I actually don't know because I don't really pay much attention to this stuff. So I'm just just wondering, you know, I don't know what's going on there. Um, like I said, you know, I'm not really looking at competitors, or I'm just looking at what are we doing to make our products better and engage in recursive self improvement. So I actually just don't know what they're. Yeah, you know, I'm not really looking at what competitors are doing. I, I honestly just don't know. Okay. The, I'm, I'm curious if you know, you know. Sure. I, I mean, I think that there's been tepid demand outside of Tesla would be my analysis. Okay. Um, so maybe that points back to not having cars that are as interesting. Yeah, I think maybe they, 
maybe the range is not good enough or they're uh, they're too expensive or they don't have good autonomy i actually don't really know because i i haven't tried them you know so i mean what what do you think they should do make attractive interesting vehicles (laughs) (laughs) okay sounds good (laughs) i i do think expectations for range are are growing over time you know like the, the goalposts are moving you know so where 250 miles you know is currently an acceptable uh standard for range i think over time that that will become you know 260 miles 270 and, and i think like long term it'll be 200 like long term i think 300 miles will be kind of what people expect as as normal for an electric car and, and for the the model s we're already over 400 miles and you only see that increasing i'm guessing Yes. What what kind of range can we hit at at some point? Well, I mean, technically, we could make a five hundred mile range car right now. Um, we'd have to sacrifice. It would be, it'd be it would add cost and reduce uh, cargo capability. Um, but there's there's increases in the energy density at the cell level and at the at the pack level. Uh, and, and improvements in efficiency of the drive unit and the tires and the drag coefficient and the um, parasitic effect of the uh, HVAC system and other electronics in the vehicle. So, yeah, but, you know, I think people kind of probably want about 300 miles over time. That'll, that'll be the long-term goal. Let's talk China. Your Your Chinese plant is really going strong. You've benefited quite a bit from some support in the Chinese government, while some Chinese startups are really struggling. What's the state of China's EV market, and what role will it play in advancing EV technology? Well, I mean, to be clear, I, I don't think we've gotten you know, sort of more help from the Chinese government than other Chinese car companies. That would be inaccurate. Um, I, I would say we've gotten less help than other than domestic companies in China, as you would expect. Um, so, but, but we have received, you know, they, they have been supportive, but, but it's not, it's, it would, obviously it would be weird if they, if they were maximum, if they were the most supportive to a non-Chinese company, sure. they're, they're not the most supportive to a non-Chinese company. This is not correct. Right. Um, and it, it um, in, in the, and in the U S it's also worth pointing out right, right now in the U S we are at a significant disadvantage relative to other electric cars from other makers who still have access to the $7,500 tax credit where we do not. So Tesla often gets criticized for like, hey, you just got all these tax credits. And I'm like, uh, yeah, not really. Uh, actually, our competitors have a $7,500 uh, tax credit advantage over us per vehicle right now. Um, and, you know, and they'll say like, oh, what about that loan that you got in you know 2000 whatever 2009 i was like well first of all we didn't get the loan in 2009 first disbursement was like march of 2010 after the crisis was over they didn't bail us out um and we, we paid that loan off early with interest while everyone else didn't so i would say tesla has i want to emphasize this tesla's had the least uh, government support of any car company not the most the least I'll repeat that. The least. And how about China as an EV strategy leader in the world? Um, China rocks, in my opinion. Um, 
you know, the energy in China is great. People there are, there's like a lot of smart, hardworking people and they really, are, they're not entitled, they're not complacent. Whereas I see in the United States uh, increasingly a much more complacency and entitlement, uh, especially in places like the Bay Area and LA and New York. So, you know, it's just, here's the thing. It's like, you know, when you've been winning for too long, you sort of take things for granted. In the United States, and especially, you know, like California and New York, been winning for too long. You've been winning for too long, you take things for granted. So just like, this, you know, some pro sports team, they won the championship, you know, a bunch of times in a row. They, they get complacent when they start losing. That's Daily Drive for Monday, May 3rd. Join us tomorrow for part two of our Daily Drive Rewind and our interview with Elon Musk. In the meantime, go to autonews.com for breaking news and autonews.com forward slash daily drive to catch up on all of our episodes of the podcast. Have an amazing day and make it a terrific week.